Good morning, I uh, guess. Um, thanks everybody for sitting so far back. That makes me, gives me more space, feel more comfortable. Um, so I'm going to try and stay focused. I feel like everything that's in my thoughts is somewhat focused, but whether it's going to sound that way or not, um, but just focused on redeemed are we kind of a poetic way of just saying that we are we are redeemed maybe a little yoda speak there um turn this guy on you know but sometimes the uh our redemption sometimes it doesn't always feel like that and we play around with the with the punctuation a little bit you know it feels like redeemed are we we go through life, things happen, we're trying to, to deal with things, it doesn't always feel like things are going our way, um, and then we play a little bit further, and we can get the super judgy, like, redeemed, are we, where uh, everyone else is trying to figure out what's going on with us, or we're trying to figure out what's going on with everybody else. Um, what does it mean to be redeemed? What are we redeemed from? You know, the ultimate basic darkness. I'm going to spin off a little bit of what Tab talked about last week, uh, light and dark. Um, the most basic darkness, of course, is not being saved, you know, being a life without God. Um, we don't know truth. We don't know his love. We, we are on our own. Uh, we're born into this world, sin all around us. Uh, we develop our own thoughts based on things that are happening to us and the sense that we can make of it. Um, so, basic verse, John eight thirty six: If the Son therefore, therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. So God can save us from that darkness. Um, I kind of liken it to to drowning in the way like you're in dark water. You're surrounded you may not know which way is up. There's confusion. There's loneliness. There's panic. You're just trying to make the best of your situation. And of course, the obvious story is Jesus walking on the water where he can take us out of that. Take us out of that water. He can free us up from that. Free us up from all of that loneliness and everything. Um, but I guess kind of what I want to talk about today is how we see ourselves, how we see each other, and how we help each other through this redemption process. Because this, this verse, I think, sets a lot of people into, Son, therefore, shall make you free. You should be free indeed. That it's done. And there is an element of that. When Jesus was on the cross. He said it is finished and is done. Our redemption has been paid for. It is complete. But we still go through this life. We still have a, a process to, to work that salvation, for it to make sense to us, for it to kind of seep into our every bit, every pore, every bit of our being, every thought process that we have, and how it comes out. And, and uh, there's a lot of grace from God that he can cover every moment. He can, he can make the best of a, a poor situation. He can make the best of our uneternal thoughts, you know, that we, we've, uh, 
Uh, we haven't quite figured it all out yet, but he can still make the best of a situation. We might not say all the right things, but he can help the other person to interpret it in a better way. But, uh, but we're all still in a process. Kind of the whole phrase of, you know, it is but not yet sort of thing. Um, God is eternal. God has saved us, but we're still working through all of that. The ultimate, the ultimate goal, the ultimate uh, manifestation of all of his promises, you know, hasn't happened yet to us. We are in a place in heaven when we are in a situation where there's no boundary between him and us, that we can see clearly that we're not there yet. I'm not there yet. I'm still working through stuff. So the most basic darkness is is that obvious thing of like we are just completely without God. But I think we can still carry our own darkness around with us even after we've begun a relationship with God. There's still thought processes that we have that, that still blind us to things. There's uh, things that maybe we developed as a, as a kid. And when we are kids, we do not know the world. We're getting to know the world. And we're trying to make sense of the world. And we make our own evaluations of what's happening. Why is it happening? Who's doing this to me? Why, is, why are they doing that to me? Um, and we make our, my, our own rules. And sometimes we carry that stuff through. Sometimes God just heals it. Sometimes he reveals it. And we have to be listening for that. Um, Ephesians 4.22. I come to this verse a lot, or it's in my head a lot. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. And it goes on to say, you know, put on, put on the new. And that's our, our redeemed self. The way God sees us, the way God intends for us to be. This verse is talking about our old self, our self before any redemption, before we've grasped it, before we've accepted it, um, the way we used to live. And, you know, people have different situations. People don't get saved till they're adults. Some people grow up in a church and, and uh, they kind of have always known God. But you can still, you don't necessarily, and I guess in that sense, you don't necessarily have old ways, like before you were eight years old or whatever, but you, you still have thoughts. You still have these mind highways that you've developed. Um, you're still born into sin, and so there might be genetic things that, that come through and just create some different things. But uh, so we are in this process, and... I think, at least in a lot of the Christian world, or in my experience of segments of the Christian world, we, we know that this process exists, but, but maybe we're just... I think sometimes we're just tired of people having to go through the process, or we're tired of having to go through the process ourselves, and we don't have the patience for it anymore. And it's like, just stop. You know, just stop doing the things you're not supposed to do. Stop thinking the things you're not supposed to think. Just be good. Just do what God wants you to do. And and we would like it to be, let's go back to the previous verse. So we're free, and so Jesus set me free. I'm good. We would like it to be that that's just instantaneous. 
totally complete and manifest in all the best ways from here on out. Um, it doesn't always happen. Like I said, we can, we can carry that darkness with us. Um, but God has the grace for it. God knows how that process works. And he can speak into the darkness. He can... He can deal with them. And that's one thing I had to, to deal with. Um, I grew up in a church, and and there was a lot of focus on, and I don't even really put this on the church. Again, it was I was a kid, and I was trying to make sense of what was being taught and how things were working. Um, so I developed this sense of, logically, I knew that I didn't have to be good enough, that I couldn't be good enough, but still it was like, okay, but now I'm, I'm growing up in the church and I'm trying to do what's right. And so, you know, once you're saved, it was kind of like a, like Jesus paid for my ticket, but then I had to make sure I, I was holding the ticket, you know, like, so if anyone ever came to say like, Hey, are you saved? Like I had, Oh yeah, yep. Yep. I've got it. You know, because this is the way I live my life and this is how I do everything. Um, so it's got to be good. Like it's got to be perfect, and and there's no lack. Um. So that's that's rough if you kind of build your life around that. Um, I am going to probably talk some stuff about myself. Um, not so much confessing sin, but this was the next verse, James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Uh, again, Tab mentioned confessing last week. Um, in my life, I was always afraid of confessing because that meant, first of all, that meant admitting imperfection to somebody else. That meant, like, hey, I'm struggling with this this life, with this thing, with the situation. Um, there is lack in my life. You know, God says we, we should ask him and we'll be lacking of nothing. I'm like, oh, but I am lacking. So what does that mean? What does that do? So confessing was always a fearful thing for me because like, what is the other person going to think? Um, are they going to be surprised by the stuff I'm admitting and just back away, just being like, okay, that was, I don't have time for this, or I wasn't expecting that, or that's too much. Um, but I found that I have had good times of confessing, where confessing can choose some different things, and I don't really have a, a bullet point one, two, and three, or anything like that, but I found that sometimes just confessing just itself, just saying it out, can actually cause some of the freedom that you need to get past something. Like, it's, it's not even before the person even gets a chance to react to it and do anything. Sometimes just saying the thing out will kind of bring it to the light, just all by itself. Um, the other nice thing about con confession, good confession... In a, with the grace of God, you know, in a good situation, maybe with a safe person that you're confessing to, we, we're not always in control of how that all comes together, but the grace of God can cover it all. But one thing I never really experienced, or never expected when I was younger, 
was, was the grace and the love of God to when you're confessing something, even a sin, like not just like, you know, I'm struggling with something, but like, no, I have a sin that there's something about the love of God where he can, he can separate that and say like, but that is not, that is not of you. You know, that sin is not of you. You can separate that. I never expected that because I was always expecting, you know, in an accountability kind of a thing of like, oh, you confessed this thing, so now we've got to, we've got to deal with this and we're going to hit it hard and you're probably going to have to tell everybody else in your life that you have this thing and, you know, it's going to be... The world, world, the worldwide is going to know what you what you've done, and it's like, oh, I don't, I don't like that. I don't know that too many people really do like that thought. Um, so that that kind of pushed me back for a long time too. I mean, just just anything. Um, yeah. So again, trying to refocus here, making sure that it, that I just I. I do have a heart that we see each other the way God sees us, and that we help each other the way God wants us to help each other. That we can't all make it through this whole thing on our own. Um, I've never wanted to be a burden to anybody. I mean, there's I could go through, and there's a lot of verses that people use to to support all these things. Um, there's lists in the Bible of things you would be doing if you are. If you are following God, um, there's there's verses talking about as far as not being a burden to other people, you know, to to work and to provide for yourself and stuff, so that you can be a help to other people. Kind of the overflowing of of uh, I don't have the lack, and I can help other people with that. So I never wanted to be a burden to other people. So I didn't want to burden other people with my feelings. I didn't want to burden other people with my faults, my lack. Um, and, you know, this morning was a good example of, I just had a lot on my plate, but I know a lot of people have a lot on their plate. So it, things just kind of happened where I was set to lead worship and also speak and work. I don't even count them, but a ton of hours at my job. And then help BJ at his house yesterday, which I was totally happy to do. But it was like, but I just had no time and Last minute this morning, Joe volunteered to, to lead worship. Um, and that's all great. But, but that, it's just an example of like, I didn't ask for help. I didn't really tell anybody what was going on. Because um, I knew other people have stuff going on. So let's focus on that. Like, don't, don't focus on me. I don't, I, don't, I don't need it. I don't want it. Um, but I do need it. Um, I guess some of that is my fear too. It's like if we all are completely honest, we are all completely open about what we're going through. That you know, maybe we have stuff going on where we are we are drowning right now. If we're all drowning, how can we help each other? Well, there's you know, we're not just helping each other. We do have God. And even if we all were in a situation where we're all just drowning, there's too much stuff going on. We can't make get our heads above the water. Like there's something about it that God can can lift us all up. I can't explain it. I didn't really think it could ever happen, but but I do now.
I have, I have seen it. It is supernatural. Um, John ten twenty seven. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Now, see in this this verse, and there may be other verses, and maybe I'm confusing it with, but but there's verses like this that I know are in my head, but I think I've twisted them a little bit, almost where. So much of this verse I felt was my responsibility. Like, my sheep hear my voice. Like, I'm supposed to hear God's voice and, and follow him and all that stuff. But even just that little addition there in the middle, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Like, there was just so much separation, I guess, of me and God. And I didn't really trust him. I didn't really know. Like, yes, we have to discipline ourselves so that we, we, we can hear God. We read our Bible to get familiarity with, with what he's expecting, with who he is, who he expects us to be, how he sees us, all of this stuff. But at the same time, it says, but I know them. When you talk about our redeemed selves and our old selves, like God knows who we are. He knows who he intends us to be. He knows the stuff that we've gone through, the stuff that we are going through, the stuff that we will go through, and he knows where the separation is. And it doesn't mean we're not responsible for the things that we do, the things that we choose to do, the things that we we choose not to bring to him and everything, but it just means that when we do bring it to him, it's not... Uh, oh, here's another example with the drowning thing. When it is dark, when you are surrounded, your vision is is foggy. There can be, when you hear voices, sometimes they're your own voices, but you, you are more prone to take in other voices because you can't see where they're coming from, and you, you take them on as your own. That's the kind of stuff that immediately, with confession, and, you know, bringing stuff to God, that's the kind of stuff that he can cut off right away and just let you know, like, that's not even something you've built up. That's not something you've experienced. That's outside voices coming in, whether it's a straight-up demon or just worldly things coming in. Where he can just say, we'll just cut that off right now. That's not of you. Even if it's a sin, you know, he's saying that's you don't have to carry that. That's not a part of you. It's not in your DNA. That's not... That's not something you have to clean up before everything's good. It's just uh So that's not that's not what he wants of us. He wants us to come to him. He wants us to come to each other. He wants us to be able to help each other. He also wants us to be able to help other people. So when people come to us and confess things that may be shocking that that we can deal with that appropriately. Second um, Corinthians ten five. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. The last part of that verse, I kind of made into a practice in my head. I'm very visual, so I would I would just visualize it if if I was at work or whatever. I would just have like a thought kind of cross my mind whether it was a temptation or whether it was just just a 
a thought that I don't even know where it came from. Um, in my mind, I would just visualize it as I would like, okay, thought, why don't you come with me? And we're going to go to the Jesus room, and we're going to see what Jesus says about this. Um, and at first, that was like kind of scary, because I'm very private, and I'm very in my own head. And so, you know, like, well, Jesus saw all my thoughts, like, woof, I don't, I don't know. But, but I had to like, okay, but if I take all my thoughts to Jesus, it shouldn't be that big of a deal. Because if the thoughts are good, Jesus won't have a problem with them. And if they're bad, then hopefully we can get rid of those thoughts. Um, I know that's very... I'm not sure how you take that, if, if that seems like even something that you could do for yourself. But I know that I have had times where I've had thoughts where I either, like, I knew that this thought Jesus would not approve. But I, but I would take it anyway, um, almost proudly at that point. Because then it was like, it was kind of building a thing of where I was getting to the point where Jesus was on my side, no matter what. Even if I had the most terrible thought in the world, I knew that Jesus was on my side. So I could take that thought to him, and he would do what he needs to do with that thought. But it, if he needed to separate it from me, then he would. But I would still be okay. I would still be here. Because, uh, again, in that darkness, we can take on stuff that's not, not even of us, or things that are not supposed to be for us, things that God does not intend for us, and it can be it can be fearful to to see that stuff go away if we take it on as this is something that I am doing, this is something of me, it can be scary to let that go, but Jesus kind of makes that all makes it all better um, but yeah, so I've even had times where I don't even know really how to explain it, but at times where a thought came in. Maybe it's a thought that I've been battling with or just a brand new, like super random thought that I almost like happily took it to Jesus. And you could tell just the decision to take, I'm going to take this thought to Jesus and see what he has to say. As soon as you decide to do that, I've had times where you could almost picture the thought as some kind of demonic presence or something where it was just like the thought itself was like struggling. Like, oh no, don't, no, let's, let's not, we don't need to go in that room. You're like, oh, you're panicking. I get it. So I probably already have an idea what Jesus is going to say about you. Um, and I'm not trying to make any kind of theology. I don't know how to explain that. Like, I'm not... I'm not even necessarily saying, like, I've battled demons by doing that. I'm just saying, like, there's just things. There's things around. There's things that are not of God. And and uh, thoughts come in, and, and we can deal with them in different ways. Um, let's get a little bit specific. Like, as an example, uh, I grew up the third child of four. Um, I was the only boy, so that means I had three sisters. And we grew up on a street with not too many kids, but for the most of the years that we lived there, there was one boy, and he was my younger sister's age. And, and there were two, two sisters that lived down the other way, 
that were my age and my older sister's age. So they were the ones that we played with more. So a lot of times when we were just playing outside, it was me and five girls. And that's how I grew up. Um, And so I have always had to battle with like having an unfamiliarity with, with men and what manhood means and whether I'm ever going to be a man. Even if you ask me now, you're like, okay, well, you're 43 years old now. Like, do you feel like a man? And I would probably just hesitantly have to say, like, yeah, I guess so. Like, I think the indicators are there. Um, and I don't mean, like, gender-wise, like man or woman. I just mean, like, still a boy or a man. Um, you know, my, I grew up with my dad. He was he was there, but I saw him as an adult, and you know he was tall and strong and smart and could do things. And I was a kid, so I was short and not strong. And uh, there's a lot of things I didn't know. And and uh, there was a lot of things about men in you know just the general worldly sense that I wasn't even interested in uh, the macho. Man, I don't know if they really do this, but um, I've never really been interested in anything macho. Uh, so yeah, but some some of that comes with redef- redefinition of what being a man means, and what God wants a man to be, not what the world wants a man to be. Um, some of that is just being okay with how God made me to be a man or a different kind of man. I don't even know. But uh, just being more okay with who God made me to be. Uh, So I battle those kinds of thoughts all the time. Um, Or I have. It's becoming less, and that's good. But uh, but that's that's its own. Even just that little segment of my life is its own darkness. Um, And really the main darkness for me is just that I am so private and keep everything in. And I don't always let people know when I need help. I don't always let people know when things are too much. Um, because I also have my own skewed view of what is too much. Because sometimes just about anything can be too much. Uh, so then I think, well, you know, I'm just being dramatic about how it's too much. Um, I'll just make it through. And that doesn't always work out. Uh, I have a wife. I have three kids. They probably have their own stories. Well, they certainly have their own stories, but I mean, they probably have their own stories of living with me and what that's like and either not knowing where I'm at with things or, or wondering, you know, why is this thing broken over here? It's because, you know, when you're so private and, and introverted um, or just inside yourself and you have a moment of frustration and it comes out, um, that's one one thing that I, getting older and, you know, deciding whether I'm a man or not, like, am I, am I strong? That was always one of, you know, am I strong? Um, again, I would tentatively just tell you that, yes, I'm, I'm at least strong enough. And I would only tell you that because in moments of frustration, I've broken things not knowing that I was strong enough to break those things. So... So again, like I'm, I'm still even not even really up here ready to tell you that I, I am a man. I feel like a man now. But it's just like, oh, I think, 
I think, I think I'm getting there. Um, so I'm still dealing with that, amongst other things. Uh, I don't know if I have much more to say on that particular thing. But even as much as I don't want to on a daily basis, I'm, be, I'm learning that it is important to share things with people. And, of course, that'd be nice if we had a nice, safe space here for everybody. And when people came in, they could share things, and we had good discernment to figure out when they're sharing things, how spiritually we can just pick those things off them, um, how we can help deal with their daily struggles, those things that don't easily just come off, um, dealing with addiction and sin. Um, again, in my life, there's, there's sin that's been in my life that I've tried to deal with on my own or just tried to deal with in the normal kinds of ways, only to discover that that almost didn't even help at all because the reason the sin was there was because of all of these other internal things that I have going on. Because I don't tell people things, because I deal with it myself. But that's the problem. I don't deal with it myself. I cope with it myself. And it's just a rolling ball. So even if I do the 40 days thing where you create new habits after 40 days, that's fine. That's great. But day 41, it all comes back. You know, it's because I'm dealing with the wrong thing. So I'd love if we were just a good community where we can share those things, pick those things off, deal with things the right way with God's grace. Um, I mean, because there's people that are paid to be counselors and all that stuff, and we can't all be that. But with God's grace, things can happen. Um, we can look for, and we've talked about in this this church body, You know, when, when Brent was pastor for years and years, we've talked about um, having meetings where God was going to come down and, and those kinds of things would just be lifted off. And that would be great. And that has happened probably in small ways here and there. But it hasn't happened in the way that we've talked about it yet. So that would be great. But also, we can't shy away from the day-to-day stuff where we're working together, where we're not condemning each other because somebody has something going on. That there is freedom and somehow we can find that freedom, we can share that freedom. And, I mean, because the cautionary tale is, we look at all the churches around us, and I don't mean in Kalkaska, I don't want to start picking on anything, but just the statistics about um, ministers that are leaving the ministry every day because either, well, lots of different reasons, because either they're overworked, the churches just expect too much of them, um, or they have secret sin and it completely blows up in their face. Um, any of that stuff. Uh, the divorce statistics, you know, like what is, how different is the church body than the rest of the world at this point? Uh, I don't have the statistics here to look at, but I've just been hearing for a long time now that there is no difference. Um, it would be nice if there was a difference. It would be nice if this this was a place where people could get free of the normal stuff. Um, and that we weren't just looking towards the future day in heaven when everything's fine, but that we know that that's there and we're just, we're working towards it. 
and we can have the patience for each other to work towards that, that we have um, the humility. Because I've been through stuff, and I, at this point, I think I've been through some some of my own stuff where, and it's so frustrating, but it's almost like, okay, but uh, how do I want to say this? The, I don't want to be theologically incorrect or anything. But I think, you know, we can always learn from stuff. And so I think sometimes there's just some humility. And maybe some of it is I've been through some certain things and some of things have been such a long process just to gain some humility. I'm not trying to say that God made made me do bad things or made bad things happen to me so that I would learn humility, but but maybe I couldn't get past it until I did. And and so there's learning some of that freedom that comes from God and it's and there is in no way coming from the way that I did it, that I succeeded, that I made it happen. I did the 40-day 40 th- 40 thing. I changed my habits, and now I'm all good. Nope, didn't work for me. The only way I did it was because of God's grace, because of his love. And, and that's the only way that, that you can do it. That's the only way that anybody can do it, and we can do it together. So... That is all I really had to say for today. Um, as far as the, the old man and the new man is, is just a big, big thing in my life. Uh, because I grew up in a sense of the old man is gone. You are the new man. Don't be like the old man, that kind of thing. And I've kind of grown up in an experience where I'm like, I have, I feel like on a daily basis, I have full access to my old man at all the time. And I always felt that that was super wrong. Um, that the old man is dead and buried. And, and uh, I don't really know where I'm going with that. I'm just saying we all have our own experience. And, and some of that... There's just a lot of things that just shoved me back inside. And that was definitely one of them that shoved me back inside. It was my experience was that, that my old man was alive and kicking. And I would struggle with that old man and did for a long, long time. And, you know, still do. So that must mean I'm not saved. Or, you know, like you would come up with these things. Well, that must mean, that must mean God doesn't love me. That must mean whatever. And and we can only get through that kind of stuff with each other. I've had a lot of times lately of, of talking things out. Um, you know, I in my life, Tab's not here, so she won't. She can't nod her head or anything. But uh, um, just as an example, I hide stuff so much that, like, even if I'm sick, and it's it, and I'm I'll, sometimes I'll go to work when I'm sick. I know COVID is a whole whole nother level of things. Um, but, but, uh, but if I, if I decide to stay home, you know, I'll call or message the people I need to, to let them know that I'm, I'm staying home sick. But even then Tabitha still won't even know that I'm sick until she wakes up and I'm still at home. And she's like, what are you, what are you doing here? 
I'm like, oh, I've thrown up twice already. And I kind of thought about going to work, but then like, <laughs> she said, what? No, you're sick. And, you know, or I'll just like maybe sit on the couch and like, oh, and, and uh, she's like, what's wrong? Yeah, nothing. And like, yeah, no, I'm totally sick. You know, like 102 fever, you know, like I'm, I'm totally down and she doesn't even know. Um, so I'm trying to open up. Um, Thank you. So there's a little bit of confession there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it is good to get it out. Because that's, a lot of times that's the easiest way for God to then just strike the stuff down that he needs to strike down. And just, just get it over with. Just get it out of there. Um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the people that did come. We thank you for all, all the people that uh, are normally here and out camping or, or, uh, or elsewhere. And we just thank you for our opportunity. We thank you for who you are. Lord, more and more every day we're getting to know you. It may be hard for us. We just thank you that, thank you that you are patient and no matter what we think of you, no matter what kind of picture we put on you, God, that you're always there. And maybe today we're not ready, but maybe tomorrow we are. And tomorrow you'll be ready. Lord, we pray that you just, just guide us all into the direction that we need to go even if we feel like we're spinning in circles. Pray that you just join us together as a community. That this community can grow. Sometimes we can, we can add more numbers, but that doesn't mean that, well, that we're growing. And just pray that this this would be a community where we can grow, and not it, not just this church, Lord, but we just pray for the for Kalkaska. We pray for the other churches in Kalkaska. They are not our enemies. We are not in competition with them. We just pray that that they can grow. That under your banner, Jesus, that we'd all learn how to grow, grow together, grow with you. And we truly would have have a banner over this whole community. It's like the Israelites going from place to place, from slavery to to freedom to wherever. But you were their God. Lord, we just pray that you you would be our God, that you would be our sign, that we would be your sign. People would know whether people agree or not, but people would know that you are here. And we thank you for your freedom. We thank you for your love, Lord. Thank you for your grace. And we thank you for the kids. In Jesus' name, amen.